2: This is Al Jepson, and you are listening to Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net.
3: Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm joined by my one and only co-host, the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, Mike Focci. Focci, what's going on, man?
1: Hey, nothing much. I am excited to be here, but I am even more excited by
3: who else is on the line today. Alex, would you like to tell me who we have on the phone with us? Absolutely. We have a big guest for you today. It is the one and only Big Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson, thank you so much for joining us here on Setting the Pace.
2: No, oh, man. Thanks for having me on.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. So I know you and, you and Fachi have been talking back and forth, so Fachi, go ahead and ask, ask Al the first question. Yeah, so,
1: Al, I mean, I met you at the Big 3, guys. Al was super cool. I mean, he is with the first-place triplets right now in the Big 3. They are the team to beat. I mean, Joe Johnson taking the league by storm. Looks like the triplets are, you know, potentially going to get it done. I mean, Al, what has the Big 3 been like so far for you in your first
2: year? Man, it's been amazing, man, Um, because you you, you would think, you know, playing 14 years in the NBA – and coming into the big three, that you know, it's kind of like a level down, but it's not. It's not. Um, of course, we're not playing five on five, full court, but the the level of, uh, of competing and the competition and guys, like you said earlier, we the team to beat. So every week we get the we get the best of every team that we play, you know, and uh, and it's fun. It's fun uh, playing with Joe Johnson, been been with a lot of fun because. You know, I never get, had so many layups in my life just playing on somebody, you know. So, uh, man, you know, we, we have a great team. It's a great league, you know, um, and I'm really having a ball with it.
3: Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Jeremy Lin's comments that came out. I don't know if it was last week or a few days ago, but Jeremy Lin came out and said he felt like the NBA had given up on him. And for you, you know, you were a pretty dominant player down low for multiple years and then you spent some time playing backup center here for the Pacers, and then just like that, you know, you're playing in China. So, when you when you look at what happened with Jeremy Lin and his comments, I mean, do you feel like with the way the league has changed that the league kind of gave up on you, and maybe even a guy like Joe Johnson as well?
2: Um, I I, I can't say that the league gave up on me. Mm. I honestly couldn't say that. Um, I think the league did change the way the style of play, and and uh, I don't think that's um no knock on the lead. I think that's more a knock on me because, you know, I was talking to my trainer who I've been working out with since I was ninth grade. And I remember when he used to have me, have me doing two ball drills, you know, trying to bellow my handles with the ball. He had me doing guard stuff and I used to fight with him every day. Like, man, why you got me doing this? Because I would never do this in a game, you know, and I remember Mm -hmm. doing that and now I regret that. That's like one of my biggest regrets because if I would have been, you know, wouldn't have been fighting him on that and learning how to dribble the ball like a guard, like Miles Turner. Miles Turner's seven foot, and he could dribble that ball as good as any big man I've ever seen. Hey, you cannot take it from him. You know, I can name a lot of more uh, big guys who could, who got real uh, good ball handles and who could shoot the ball real well. And I wish I would have spent more time on that so when the league did change, I could have changed my game. You know, I was just more locked in, in the old school game back to the basket because I've been my bread and butter for so many years. You know, but I don't. I don't think the league gave up on me. They gave me 14 years when I went to China. You know, I still had offers on the table to come and play that veteran role, but I just wanted to play. I just wanted to get it out of my system, and it didn't work out in China. So I wish I would have stayed. But uh, you know, uh, I don't think the league gave up on me. I just think they gave me, they gave me a hell of a career, man. They gave, you know, they helped me um, accomplish things I would never would have accomplished if it we weren't for the NBA. So
1: yeah, I mean, 14 years. I mean, you're talking about multiple years averaging over 20 and 11 per game, but when you first come into the league, I mean it's straight out of high school, so you're 18 19 years old, and then you're almost being like, forced to swim with sharks, because you're talking about some of the big men before, you're going up against Shaq and Yao in the paint, I mean, what is that like?
2: Man, that was crazy, that was like one of the most exciting and scary moments of my life, because you know, I knew since I was in the seventh grade that um, I wanted to go to the NBA and I wanted to go right out of high school. So I knew it wasn't going to be no walking apart. I knew that, you know, my senior year in high school, I averaged part, of, part of two points a game. Oh, um, You know, I was, the, I, was the, <laughs> I was the go-to guy, you know, and I knew whatever team I was, that was going to pick me, it was going to be a change. And, you know, and I went in with an open mind. But like you said, you know, the traveling, playing four games and five nights, playing in different cities, playing against superstars like Shaq, who I looked up to and was like my favorite player, one of my favorite players growing up until you dunked on me in my rookie year, then I ain't like him no more after like that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but me, you know, y'all you know, to see a guy that's 7'7 seven, seven and can move and play like he did. You know, it was fun, man. It was a lot. And, you know, and guys who play basketball like me and everybody else in the world who love the game, you know, when you step on that court, you want to compete. You want it to be, you want it to be, you know, thick out there. You want to um, compete at a high level. So, you know, that's the excitement that come with it.
3: Well, being that you were a player that was drafted out of high school, we've had quite a few players on here that have actually been drafted out of high school that we've talked to and just kind of gauging their opinions on the rule change that's going to happen here in the next couple of years for the NBA draft. Are you excited to see the league go back to allowing players to come straight to the league after high school? Oh, so it's official? They're going back? I believe so. In 2021, 2022, around that time, it's supposed, I think it's official. I mean, I might be incorrect on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's in the making.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about that. Cause I feel like, um, I mean, I was just watching, uh, I'm not a big tennis person, but I was just looking at the, the big tennis match not too long ago. And I seen a little 14 year old girl, 15 year old girl who was playing real well. And, and um, she beat Venus, I think. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, you know, you know, we shouldn't stop these guys that they can play. I mean, I know football is a different story because you got to have time for your body to mature before you go out there and play with them grown men. But in basketball and other sports, I just feel like we, we shouldn't stop kids if they're good enough to come straight out of high school and, and play at that high level. And I think in the NBA case, we have proved that we are good enough. I mean, if you look at the, some of the superstars in this league, you know, a lot of them came out of high school. You know, you look at Kobe Bryant, you look at Kevin Barnett. You know, a lot of them guys came out of high school. But um, And then I also think it would be good to keep guys from who don't want to go to college, they go overseas and try to play professional over there right out of high school. And I just think that that might be a little more difficult because I remember going to Boston from Mississippi and I would remember thinking if I'm in another country. You know, I think, so just imagine when you actually have to go to another country out of high school. So I think it's, it's good for the game. I think the college games still going to be a great um be great to watch, and I just think um we should go back the way it used to be. You know, because you guys come in with a lot of talent, man. You
1: know, I remember when we spoke at the Big Three. You mentioned that you said you knew that you were ready for the NBA. I mean, when when you're talking about averaging over 42 points per game in high school. I mean, how could you feel that you weren't ready? You know, so is it just like do you think that we're going to see more players try and do a professional route beforehand, like within the next two years, to try and get paid? Or is it just, you know, I mean, we're now seeing players take like a million-dollar internship. That's becoming a thing now. Is it just that the high school isn't doing enough? Like you, you kind of think that, hey, why can't I play right now? Is that just going to be something where there's no need for college in, in the next few years?
2: No, no, no. I would never say there's no need for college. <laughs> I would never say that. Uh, you know, because I mean, just as, just like you have a lot of guys. Like I remember the year I got drafted; it was seven of us in the first round. You know, but it's a thirty-round draft. I mean, it's a thirty—you know—pick draft. So, uh, thirty pick rounds. So my thing is, the guys—if seven people in the first round got. Uh, dropped out of high school. Other guys came from college, you know. And, I, I mean, I remember Andre Iguodala, who was in my class, went to college, you know, had great years in college. And, and look at what he's doing now. You look at Devin Harris, guys. You know, he was in my class, went to college, had a great year in college, and came into the NBA, had a great um, great career also. So, I just feel like the college game is just as more important because, you know, especially the kids who decide to go get their education. I mean, like right now, I'm not in the NBA no more. But they can't never take that education away from you. You know, no matter how old you get, mm-hmm. you always be able to be in a position to make money out there. So I think the college game, is, college is just as much important before as guys who, like myself, who had the opportunity to, to skip that and go right in and, and, and you know, and, and, and thank God it worked out well for me. Um, you know, I think you shouldn't be, um, you shouldn't have that that choice taken away from you also.
3: So we, we, we know in your career that you played for five different teams in the NBA, and uh, excuse me, four teams? No, is it five? It's five, yeah, it's five. I, 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 I forgot. <laughs> so, uh, with those five teams that you played for, what was your what was your favorite place to play at?
2: Well, you know, all five teams was, um, you know, it was um, great for me at that time. When, you know, each team I went to, it was just a I looked at it as a new journey. I mean, going to Boston, like I said, that was amazing. You know, because that was kind of like the beginning stage. And then I got traded for one of the best players in the league at that time to go to Minnesota, Mm sign my first big contract. And them three years was tough for us losing, Um, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to rebuild. But um, just the experience I had like my belt. And then when I went to Utah, it was kind of like a a new beginning for me. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, going to Utah, actually going to – a situation that at that time we wanted we was, wanted to win, and I, had, I was in a position to win with a great team. And Charlotte was kind of like I felt like when I when I grew up in the league, you know, when I went to Charlotte, it was kind of like you know I put that team, um, you know, I got with that young team, and me and Kilmer and a lot of them key guys. We you know we put got us got Charlotte back in the playoffs. I made All NBA, you know, and then um, my uh, my my time in Indiana was just you know. It humbled me, you know. It humbled me in a way that that's when I realized my career. I had more years behind me than I did in front of me. So I changed my way of thinking. For as now, I could bring something else to the table and help the young guys who I was in a position, um, you know, not too long before. So every experience, every team was a different experience, and it was a, you know, um, you know, I feel like at that time in my career was a well-needed experience. So I, I I love every city um, that I, every team I played for every city. Um, Charlotte reminded me a little bit more of Mississippi because that's where I'm from and where I'm used to. But you know, uh, you know, my first nine years I was in the snow. So between Boston, Minnesota, <laughs> and, uh, Utah, so I had to get used to that. But I mean, it was it was just the greatest experience. Man. That's what I said. This it, NBA man, it it been, it been good to me, man. Really. Yeah. Have. You know, that's
1: a real interesting perspective. I, I want to know. What did it feel like? You talked about before when you you were the centerpiece in that KG deal to Boston. So you're like 21, 22 years old. You get the brand-new contract, and now you become the face of the Minnesota Timberwolves. What was that feeling like? Was there a lot of pressure? Were you ready for
2: it? I mean, you're the face of the franchise now. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of pressure, but it kind of wasn't either because – you know, we went in there. We went in there. Um, the, the city, the fans knew that we was in a rebuilding stage. The, the team knew we was in a rebuilding stage. They made that very clear to me when I, when we got traded there. Okay, this is a rebuilding stage. We want to get the young guys and, and just try to build from them. So um, I, I went in and just wanted to do the things um uh, they needed me to do. You know, I knew I was stepping into a more You know, that was my fourth year in the league, so I was stepping into more of a leader role, even though it was older guys on the team. But I was, like you said, a centerpiece to that uh, trade. And and I had good veterans. I had good guys, Greg Buckner. I had Kevin Oliver. I had um, uh, Theo Ratliff. I had, uh, oh, man, I can name some more vets. Uh, Jason Hart. I had some good vets around me around that time. Them three years I was there, they they helped me and um, helped me along the way. And it made, you know, especially... um, Later on in my career, it, it helped me a long way, you know. So I was um, I was very um, blessed to be around. You know, like I said, I'm three years, probably the worst three years of my career for is losing and winning 14, 15 games a year. But, you know, for uh, just learning and growing pain, it was, it was good, and, and it helped me along the way uh, as I got older.
3: Well, I have to ask you about your days in Utah. You got to play a little bit with Darren Williams, and then in Charlotte you play with Kimball Walker, uh, two totally different yeah. point guards. But who did you enjoy playing with more? Um, I mean,
2: both from both from to me, um, you know, well, like you say, they were two different point guard, but they were the best, at, you know, for as the kind of point guard they was. You know, uh, mm-hmm. D. Will was more of a getting everybody a system point guard, getting everybody involved, a pick and roll point guard. You know, and, and he, he would beat you in, in like kind of like that Chris Paul way. Kemba was more of a scoring point guard, but also could get guys involved too. You know, and um so both of them was just, you know, great at what they did. Uh, I think the Charlotte days, it was more, you know, we we, 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 we uh, connected together a lot better than we did in Utah because when I came to Utah, that was Carlo Boozer and D. Will, you know, one-two punch. Right. You know, you had Paul Millsack, you had them guys. So from D. Will going from playing a pick-and-roll with Carlo Abuza, who we all know, them guys, they ran that pick-and-roll better than anybody I ever seen do it. You know, and I wasn't a, that type of pick and roll type of player. I was more of a post type inside out. But the little six months me and D real played together, we um we figured it out. You know, we you know we figured it out and we got it together. You know, unfortunately, you know the big trade and all that stuff went down, so um, that changed it. But you know, it was, that little time I had with D Wheel was fun.
1: You, you, as you come over to Indiana, I mean, when we're talking about the center topic comes up. I mean, the topic of discussion right now is always can Sabonis and Miles Turner coexist. But when you saw the two of them, you met them for the first time. How have you
2: seen their game grow, and what were they like initially? I mean, um, Miles Turner. I mean, I didn't really. I wanted to ride him a lot in you know, his rookie year, of course, just watching the play. Well, you know, when I got to the of you in the second year. And I just remember thinking about Miles, just the one thing that stood out to me about Miles, he was a good kid that wanted to be great. I remember Larry Bird was, uh, when I interviewed with Larry Bird uh, after I signed, that was one of the first things he said to me, like, you going to really love playing with Miles. He's a good kid. You know, he works hard. He's not the type that you come to and criticize him a little bit or try to correct him a little bit. He ain't going to take it personally. He's going to listen. And Larry Bird laid it right out to the team. That's exactly how Miles Turner was. I mean, he the only thing I didn't like about Miles, he got down on himself, you know, a lot. And I did the same thing when I was a young player. I used to get down on myself a lot, you know. When, you know and So, and, you know, he got better with that and, uh, in the two years I was there with him. So I just think Miles, you know, my little time around him, he only had one way to go, and that was up. Uh, and I think he he continue to prove that every year he's been in the league. You know, so, and uh, Sabonis Oh I'm sorry, Ben.
3: No, you go ahead. I, I thought you were finished. Go ahead. I wanna hear what you have to say about Sabonis.
2: Yeah, as far as Sabonis, you know, uh it was a weird thing. Um I never forget I showed up at training camp and uh Nate pulled me into the office and that's when we made a trade for and he said, um, we're gonna play the young guys. You know, we're going to go with Sabonis back in our mouths. And I remember sitting there thinking like, okay, well, Nate, whatever you need me to do to help, you know, and to help Sabonis get through this. And, you know, you know, I'm a team player, you know, because, you know, I mean, that was a – you know, most veteran guys, you know, don't know how to handle that, you know. Because, you know, tell you – you know, and I just – you know, I just remember being that young kid. I remember being that young boy who came in and took – Tom Guglielmi, perfect example. My rookie year, you know, I, I took his minutes, and he worked with me every day after the um, after practice. We played one on one every day after practice. He didn't take it personally. He didn't t- he didn't treat me no different, you know. And uh, eventually, he wound up getting traded. But we had the the six months we played together. He didn't do nothing but try to help me, you know, as a young player. And I, that rubbed off on me. So when I became an old. Kid, I want to do the same for, uh, for the young guys around me. So that's when me and Sabonis got real close. You know, I took him under my wing. Me and him used to work together every day. You know, and he's another person that get down on himself too much. You know, and I try to teach him in my house, you know, not to get down on yourself. Just, you know, continue to work through it and play through it, you know. And, man, I just think I think they can play together. Um, I honestly think they done proved they can play together, you know. And um, I just feel like every year, I feel like they're going to get better this year. I really
3: do. Yeah, and so, like, for me, I think a lot of Pacer fans, the the big concerns they have with these two is how are they going to guard the perimeter with smaller fours, you know, with Sabonis out there guarding them. You know, uh, offensively, we like to see Sabonis use that right hand a little bit more. I know he goes left quite a bit, and Miles Turner, uh, the criticism for him is he doesn't play in the post, I guess you could say, as much as people would like him to play in the post and be a physical down there. So, is there any areas of concern you kind of think they could improve on maybe uh, over over the next season that you're looking for them to improve on so they can become that dynamic duo down low?
2: Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think uh, every year you you got to get better. you got to get better. Um, I think when you get 10 years in, <laughs> it's nice. It's all about keeping what you got going, keeping that sharp. But um, I think um, – <clears throat> I mean, I, I played 14 years in the NBA, and you could count on my left hand how many times I actually used my left hand. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not stuck. Right, I'm not. I'm a big, I'm not a big believer that oh, a player got to use both hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like, like Reggie Miller. You, you know, remember Reggie, Reggie? Miller did not have the perfect shooting form. No, nope. but he made so many shots, and I'm, I'm sure some coach decided I'm not gonna mess with his shooting form. You know, so and I know that's a little different for us using left hand, right hand, but. Uh, I don't think you know. I think Sabonis will be okay if he don't ever get to the point he's comfortable using his right hand because I mean it works for me. I, I didn't never use my left hand, so I just I mean I know the criticism they come with the job and it, you know it come with uh, along with everything. But at the end of the day, I just think them guys um, continue to work and just get better every year. You know everything gonna work out, and if it don't, they can't play well together. Then that's when the GMs and um, Kevin them um, KP them gonna come. And then they got to make that decision, but I just feel like they just need to worry about the things they could control, and let everything else take care of itself.
1: You know, Al, I, I was pretty, you know, pretty high on the Pacers' off season this year. I thought they had a, a really good off season for being, you know, one of the more small market teams. One of the guys that they signed that you're very familiar with, from the time of Charlotte is Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb is expected to fill wow. in for Oladipo at the two guard position. Oh, people profession is rehab, but what can we expect from Jeremy Lamb from someone who knows him pretty well?
2: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, Jeremy Lamb is one of them guys I only played play with for a year but it felt like I've been knowing him for ten years, you know. You know, he's a great guy on and off the court. And one thing I do know about Jeremy, um, you know, he, he he had to work hard to get to where he at. You know, it wasn't that to gauge to him, you know. Um, and he wanted to prove that he deserved everything that he gets. On the court, you know he want to prove that you could tell, and and if, and you look at uh, since the last time I played with him up to now, he have got better every year. He became, I think he became a a, a great scorer off the bench, you know. And uh-huh. like you said, when get come back him and Vic at that two guard, that's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna it's gonna be tough. So um, I think I think that 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 was a great pick up that the Pacers made for the money that he wanted. And I, I think it's going to work out, man. I really do, because Jordan needs a good kid. He's going to work hard. And it fit perfectly for the Pacers locker room. Because Pacers, one thing I love about the Indiana Pacers is, uh, is the locker room, the team chemistry. I mean, they teach that there. So you got to have that. And if the guys get along, they put the right set of guys together. I don't know how they do it, <laughs> but they do. And I think when I found out they picked up Jordan, I said, that's just going to be perfect for that locker room and best for that team.
3: That's exciting to hear. I was a really big fan of that Jeremy Liam signing as well, especially for what they got him for, very similar to what you signed with the Pacers for back a couple years ago as well. And, you know, I think this Pacers team going forward has a lot of potential, and I think fans are really excited. They're young, and they're just ready to kind of blow this thing up and shock the world. But they're still kind of being looked down upon by some people. And so when you look at this roster compared to other rosters in the Eastern Conference, do you think they stack
2: up? Where do you think they stack up at? I mean, I, 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 I mean, you look at how well they did last year, all the way up to, um Dick got hurt. And then, even when Dick got hurt, how they maintained mm-hmm. and still made the playoffs. So, I mean, let's just show you, you know, Nate going to have them guys. He's going to put every all them guys in the right position to win. Even guys can be hurting. You know, the next guy step up to um, – to um step in and, and fill the role. So, um with his system, I'm not I'm not worrying about that. Uh but far as with the talent they have, you know, with the sign the the the, the 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 free agent they signed this summer, I just think they they got a chance to be top four. Oh nice. I mean, you look at before they got hurt last year, they was right there in the top um I think they was three or four, Three. Right? I think they Oh yeah, three. They yeah, they three were sitting at three spot they got for hurt. Yeah, and they and they even after Big got hurt, it took a while for them to lose that three
4: spot, mm-hmm. you
2: know. So, and I just feel like that's a – this team right here healthy, even with Big come back, it's a better team than last year, in my opinion.
3: Agreed.
2: It's just the pieces they got, and I just know Nate. I mean, I want to play for Nate two years, but I'm telling you, he always had my respect. You know, Nate is one of and he is. You know, he's a you know him as a, if you know watch him as a player. You know, the way he played the game, you look at it, he's the same way as a coach. You know, so I mean I think they got a chance. I really do they got a chance to have a home court advantage this year.
1: Awesome. You know, Al, when you left Charlotte in twenty sixteen, I would imagine there's probably a few other shooters, you know, out there looking for you. What drew you to Indiana? Can you kinda of give a little bit of like maybe like a thirty second pitch to free agents on why coming to Indiana is a regular? Right <laughs> <move? laughs>
2: We need the help. Well, I'm going to be honest (laughs) with you. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Indiana and Boston, and I can name a few more teams, when you find out they want you, it's really an honor. You feel honored. Because a lot of the teams out here is first-class teams. They don't deal with the drama. They don't deal with bad guys. They want good, solid players. But most of all, a great guy. You know, a winning attitude. So when I found out Indiana wanted me, it was like whoa, wow, for real. Then you look at the talent they had on their team at the time—Paul George, and Miles Turner, a couple more guys. Ellis. I just feel like that was the best opportunity for me. And it was honest for me—they said they gonna want me to bring me off the bench. And I felt like at that time my career—that was cool. I started my career coming off the bench, so I didn't mind it coming off. So it was just a good opportunity. I felt like I needed to take advantage of it.
3: Absolutely. Well, I I have to, I have one more question for you. And my question for you is, you know, you mentioned how you didn't even hardly use your left hand that many times, but you had such great footwork in the paint, possibly the best footwork in the NBA in the entire 2010s decade. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that lightly either. I mean, you put people on skates with just your up and unders, your, your pump fakes, your moves. I mean, just everything. Nobody knew what you were going to do down there. So, uh, you know, how did that – who was the – what is the most memorable moment you have where you fake somebody out, like a, a highlight reel that you remember <laughs> and that it made you just smile because you just put the biggest move on somebody?
2: <laughs> well, i tell you what, uh, I have a lot of those. Uh, but i tell you the one that stands out to me was actually with my last year with in Indiana. And if you go back and watch the game against Brooklyn, and I think we were playing against that young fella, uh, he was a rookie then, Allen. Jared, Jared Allen. Allen. Jared, Allen. Uh, Jared Allen, yeah. So uh, Nate always did a good job of letting me know when he's going to play, play me. You know, he'll tell me the day before or the day. He said, I'm probably going to play tonight or whatever. So that day he told me, so I was prepared and ready. So when you put me in the game, you remember to play with a pick and roll, and they threw me the ball, and I kind of did a uh, – the, the jump, I mean, I did a ball straight with my hand. Like, <laughs> I went up, like Nate said, I went up like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I went up and he jumped and I went by and laid it up. And I remember after the game, Nate was like, "Ah," in front of the team, he was like, "Ah, that was an amazing move. You know, like for him to come out and say that was just an amazing move, <laughs> a move and give me credit on it. It just stood out. So that was one of the one that stood out to me. And, um, you know, but I, like I said, um, Pargo, Generio Pargo used to always tell me, I made jokes about not being athletic. You know, I've never been above the rim type of guy. He said, man, you athletic in different ways. You see how hard it is for you to do them ball fakes and footwork and get guys off. You know, that's a different type of athleticism. So I guess I am a little athletic, but I can't jump over a credit card. So, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'll take it in the way I can get it, you know.
4: (laughs)
1: For my last question, I got to say, I mean, I used to tell everyone that I felt like you were the ultimate veteran on that Pacers team, like someone who had pretty much done it all in the NBA. I mean, like I mentioned before, 20 points per game, just numerous seasons, the double-digit rebounds, all of that. But you finished your last year with the Pacers shooting over 53%. Did you feel like you had anything more to give to to the league and the fans? Are we fully content and saying, hey, I got 14 years out
2: of this, and I'm pr- I'm pretty proud with this career, and I, I think I'm going to call it. I mean, it's, it's both, man. I mean, I feel like I have 14 years out of I had a, I made a boatload of money. I saved my money. Mm-hmm. I always feel like I wanted to walk away from the game before, you know, the game said, so, oh, we don't want you no more. Uh, but in yeah. this case, that's not the case. I mean, um you know, I feel, I feel like if the right opportunity come up, somebody reach out to me, just want me to come in and be that veteran guy and be perfect a good situation for me. I do it. I'm not I'm not against that, you know. Um, you know, but right here, right now I'm just enjoying my retirement and enjoying the big three. Um but I was just talking to Joe Johnson, you know, he, he got some opportunities to go back to the league. Um uh Stoudemire, he was telling me how he talked to some uh you know, so I, I'm not, I'm not denying. I'm only 34. Them guys are a little older than me, so <laughs> you know, if that opportunity comes, I would love to take it. You know, I would take it to the right position, but uh, if it's, you know, but if not, I'm good. I'm just sitting here relaxing and relaxing, and I'm gonna be sitting there watching because the NBA is gonna be so much fun this year. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm just looking forward to sitting and watching it. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Well, Al, before we let you go, we have a little segment we're going to be doing here with all of our guests going forward, and you're going to be the first person we're doing this with, but we're going to ask you oh, some man, rapid fire got- questions if you're okay with that. <laughs> well, i got to be the first one. All because, right, on. <laughs> because you're big out. This is a monumental episode for us. So. Oh,
2: man. Come on. So what kind of questions you So about? I'm
3: going to ask you just 10 random questions. It can be about just life. It can be... Just about basketball in general. But just give me the first answer that comes to your mind. We won't spend too much time. Just quick thought, quick reaction to it. I'm going to go through them real quick. So uh, to start things off, favorite movie?
2: Oh, man, favorite movie. I'm talking about here. I got to say life. Oh, God. I got a lot of favorite movies, but life. I'm going to say life right now.
3: Okay. Weirdest food that you've ate in China?
2: I didn't eat no weird food in China. Uh, (laughs) I stayed away from (laughs) that.
3: Well, I know, my I uncle actually works in China, like, all the time, and he tells me some of the weirdest stuff he has to eat because he said it's rude if you don't eat it on your plate. So I just, like, oh, I got to ask him.
2: Well, I was rude, so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't <Okay>. do it. <laughs> cool. All
3: right, what was your favorite arena to play in?
2: Oh, my favorite arena to play in. I have to say it had to be in New York, or L.A., Okay, both of them. It okay. was just because they were, you know, with the history behind it. You know, it was cool, yeah. All right, favorite player growing up? Favorite player growing up? Shaq and Elijah Elijah Warren. They were my two favorite players. I know you said one. I I can't can't throw one out the other one.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Favorite era of basketball? Oh, the 90s, man. The 90s and 2000.
2: (laughs) Oh, man, that was the best. I mean, I remember watching Michael Jordan winning his first championship. I was Mm -hmm. six years old. I remember uh, watching it. Wow. Yeah, so that was cool.
3: Okay, well, this one goes pretty good with that follow-up then. The 90s Bulls or the Warriors with KD?
2: Oh, God, no disrespect to nobody, nobody. But I, 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 and, I, and, I, and we argue about this all the time because, like I said, I watch the 90s. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see the 90s Bulls, especially at 96, 97, and 18. I can't see them losing to Golden State. Okay. I just can't. <laughs> 97 game series. I love it. I, I love can't. It. I can't, I can't I just can't – Ron Harper – I mean, because you look at this? I'm going to just say this. They could switch everything. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Ron Harper, uh, Dennis Robbins. They could switch they could switch everything mm-hmm. as far as with, the, K, with the, the Golden State War. They were long and athletic to switch. No, Dennis Robbins can't guard KD 48 minutes. But switch, I think he can. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, he's so, going him, I don't right know. I, mean, I hate to be – that. Yeah, I know. I hate to be arguing about something that we would never know because we would never see it happen. But I just—that's mm-hmm. just my
3: opinion on it. <laughs> well, hypotheticals are the best thing to argue about. Uh, best jerseys right. in the NBA.
2: Best jersey in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Meaning for a team jersey?
3: Yeah, like your favorite jersey, like design, <laughs> whatever era—it doesn't matter.
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I always thought any jersey in the NBA is cool because it's an NBA jersey, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, all right. Well, I know. It will. <laughs> all right we'll just say the Pacers jersey then all
3: right the new Pacers jersey all right well uh... I was
2: gonna say what I was gonna say the Pacers had more jerseys than Mm -hmm. um those hickory jerseys yeah yeah the hickory jersey. that was cool yeah
3: okay all right who was the best teammate you played with
2: oh man I have a lot of teammates man a lot of good teammates now you gotta put them on the spot
3: you can do top three
2: uh, I would have to say the whole 2015 2016 roster in uh, Charlotte.
3: Okay.
2: I mean, I can say that for Indiana too. I can say that for Indiana too, but you just you know. But um, I can just say I've never been on one team that all the guys got along. Mm. You know.
3: Absolutely. They, all right. There's you know, Two left. Yeah. I won't keep you too long. I know this is kind of lengthy, but uh, best nickname of all time.
2: You know, I got to go with Paul Pierce's nickname, The Truth.
3: The Truth, okay. I mean,
2: I like yeah, I like I like on <laughs> the answer. I like the ticket, you know, but The Truth, it just always stood out to me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I thought my remember favorite was Shaq the first of the round of rebound. Yeah, The Glove, I that's cool, yeah, yeah.
3: All right, and then last question, who is the greatest all time?
2: Uh, my opinion, I gotta go with MJ, man. Okay. I gotta go with MJ. I just I was just, respect, I was just saying yesterday. Saying yesterday, this man never went to the finals and went to a game seven. Oh wow! He never lost in the finals. He never went. He never went to a game seven in the finals. Uh, I mean,
1: I gotta give it to him Quick definitely. question: If he doesn't retire, does he go to eight straight or
2: win eight straight? Yeah, I really do believe that. that. I, I think do. so. I do I think, I do think believe so. That. Uh, I don't see nobody beating him in the 90s. And I think I'm glad he retired because then my boy Akeem Olajuwon got him too quickly.
3: There we go. Yep. he (laughs) needed
2: those. But if he he wouldn't retire, the Bulls would have won eight championships in a row. I really believe.
3: Well, absolutely, man. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on, Al. We'll definitely have to do this again soon if you're up for it. Maybe we can catch up with you later in the season and see how the paces are doing and talk about it.
2: Hey man, what I got to do, man? I'm retired. <laughs> Call me anytime.
1: <laughs>
3: All right, we'll definitely do that. Oh,
2: man. Well, All
1: right, man. Long you're long talking to you. I wish you nothing but the best in retirement, and
2: uh, thanks again for those Pacer years, man. We enjoyed a lot. Oh. oh man, thank you, man. Thank you,
3: Pacer fans. Welcome back to Setting the Pace. I'm here right now with probably the most popular guy on Pacer's Twitter right now, Zach Pearson. Uh, his video went viral, uh, he was super loopy, and he uh, <laughs> made a video after having his wisdom teeth out, talking about Victor Oladipo, it's been everywhere on Twitter, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry you're missing out, go check it out, you can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach A. Pearson, but before we get into this video, man, like, this surgery, this is a tough surgery to go through, having all four wisdom teeth pulled out, how you feeling?
4: Feeling pretty good, man, I uh, just got off the pain med officially, just taking some lighter stuff now, and... Uh... Just a little sore, but I'm doing pretty good now.
3: I mean, you've been on a couple of shows. I know you did an article with Eight Points a Nine Second. Like, are you are you able to talk that well? Or, I mean, does it hurt to talk?
4: Um, yeah, it's a little hard to talk, but I mean, I just got some adrenaline going right now. To be <laughs> honest, so it doesn't really doesn't really bug me too much. Right,
3: right. So when when you're on this, you know, little sabbatical of eating foods that are the normal foods to be what kind of foods are you eating right now during the surgery?
4: Um definitely Mott's applesauce is my favorite right now. Had okay. like eight of those today. Um, <laughs> some snack packs and uh some KFC mashed potatoes. Okay. There you
3: go. I like I like all those man. You can't go wrong with Mott's applesauce. Possibly yeah. the best applesauce out there, you know, for sure. But oh, yeah. so let let's talk about this video, man. I don't wanna over <laughs> over talk about it. I know you've been talking about it quite a bit, but who videoed you? Where were you at? What was going on? Do you even remember this video being taken? Like what was going through your mind?
4: Okay, so my girlfriend actually um, filmed a video that my little brother had wanted me he had asked me what my favorite team was, he wanted to see if I remember and, um, apparently, right after that, I got emotional and wanted my girlfriend to video me talking to Victor because I wanted to make sure he was doing all right so yeah, just basically as soon as I got home from the procedure, I sat down in the chair and I was like i need I need to talk to him, so my girlfriend started filming me, and then that that's what that's what happened. I don't remember anything uh, talking about it; I just remember getting home. And she told me I got a video talking to Victor afterwards, so it was pretty funny seeing that. Okay, um, so you don't I... remember
3: any part of that conversation until you were shown that video later? Correct, yeah. Okay, wow. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. It's, it's, I mean yeah. it's it's funny. I mean the probably the most the popular video with a kid having like his having his wisdom teeth pulled out was that I think his name was David. It was like a vine forever on YouTube back in the day where he was like, Is this gonna last forever? Like <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. Yeah. So I absolutely love videos of people who just had their teeth pulled out. So yeah, we all we all definitely want Oladipo to come back. So I won't keep harping on this, but, you know, looking at this team right now, I mean, what are your thoughts on the moves they made this summer? Oh,
4: I'm, I love it, man. So definitely how uh, we've added scores. It's amazing. TJ, TJ Warren, people sleeping on him. I've been seeing it on Twitter all the time, talking, um, he's going to be incredible for us. And obviously Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon. When, when that happened, I mean, it's just like, you just, just one of those things you just don't believe. It's like with this whole video thing. Like we signed Malcolm Brogdon. I was just like, how's this even real? That was like the dream (laughs) scenario. I mean, so that's, that's your
3: favorite pickup that the Pacers have then.
4: Oh yeah. 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 Malcolm Brogdon for sure. That's my guy. Yeah. That was incredible.
3: All right. So do, okay. So let me ask you this: We got this Sabonis Turner lineup coming into into play here, where Sabonis is going to be playing as a power forward. Do you like that that duo down low with Sabonis and Turner? Do you think it can actually work?
4: Um, I think it can work, but it just really depends on Sabonis being able to um, shoot better. I think he he's great in the post, obviously, but um, as far as like shooting and stuff, he's less efficient the farther out he goes. Um, from the basket. And, um, I mean, we know Miles is a great defender. He's proven that last year. I think he got snubbed defensive player of the year. But um, as far as them playing together, I think it can work. We just got to see what Nate does. I mean, honestly, it's um, all about their chemistry together. And, yeah, we'll just have to see how it plays out.
3: Yeah, I mean, I do think Sabonis needs to be shooting a little bit more and probably a little bit more. From, you know, range, but at the same time, he can make that same argument for Miles Turner. And right now, I mean, if you're looking at this Pacers team, I think Sabonis is by far the better pick and roll player. So, with the way the mm-hmm. offense was kind of ran last year, we saw Thaddeus Sheung kind of standing in the corner sometimes, you know, not really being a threat on the offensive end. Do you think they could run this right. pick and roll with Sabonis and then kind of use Turner as that stretch for on offense?
4: Yeah, no, Sabonis. Sabonis so can't. He can definitely play. He can be the stretch. I think for sure because, um, I mean, he can just. I mean, the Duke and Ball. I mean, with the coaching with Nate McMillan. I mean, yeah, I think it'd be good.
3: Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: We had some other pickups for the bench to so kind of bolster bench up. You got. Uh, TJ McConnell, you've got Jeremy Lamb, you've got Justin Holliday, and they drafted Gogo Bataze. Do you think that those guys are going to really help? You know the bench, the bench strength, uh, considering what we had last year.
4: Yeah, Lamb's going to be great when Odido comes back for sure. He's our bench last year was pretty deep too, um, you know. But we got, I mean, we had a lot of free agents, so that didn't help. But I think, I think our bench is still pretty much the same that i'm really excited to see honestly what tj leaf is going to do for us this year because people people last year i mean you got to think the guy had so much momentum going for him i mean he played his first game and he gets hurt and it's just like i don't know i to me leaf is an outstanding he's off the glass he can get so many rebounds and he's just great around the rim just like sabonis and uh if he plays good i think our bench will be pretty good again this year but i just hope uh people don't give him too hard of a time because last year he got hurt. He didn't really get a chance to prove himself. He kinda of lost all his momentum right out of the gate. So
3: So you were on the TJ Leaf train then I see.
4: Yeah, I like I like the guy. I think he can play.
3: Yeah, I mean I, I think that he's probably a little bit underrated by based on how fans view him. Now do you think that the reason fans view him so low, I guess you could say, is because of the fact that OG Ananobi and John Collins went after him.
4: I mean probably. I mean, it's always a gut punch to see, like, when you compare the players like that. But then again, you never know what it's going to be like. That whole draft scenario, like, you never know what actually would have happened. You know, say we drafted one of those guys. So, I mean, you never really know. You just got to kind of trust the development, really. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, for sure. So, just before I get you out of here... I want to talk a little bit about Oladipo with you. Obviously, the video that went viral was about you wanting to check in on Victor, see how he's doing, let him know how you feel about him. What What are you expecting from Oladipo this season? I know that he's coming back from a pretty serious injury. Are you expecting a revamped Oladipo, or do you think it's going to take some time for him to really get back to the level that he once was at?
4: Well, I think not playing um, in an NBA game for that long is going to, like anybody would struggle with that. So I think he's going to come back. He's not going to be the exact same Vic right away, Um, but, I mean, uh, you see his uh, posting on Instagram and on his show, he's got tons of shooting videos, and he's just knocking down shot after shot after shot. I mean, I think he's going to become a more uh, efficient scorer. I mean, he obviously can get the basket anytime he wants, but I think he's become a more efficient uh, shooter, because before he got hurt, he was not doing the best. I mean, he didn't, I mean, compared to the most improved player numbers, so um, he wasn't doing the best, but I think he's going to be more um, patient and more efficient when he returns.
3: Absolutely, and so just to wrap this up, I see on your Twitter it says you're a meat and cheese type of guy. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, what is your favorite meat and cheese combo?
4: Oh, man. Um, You know, I mean, classic cheeseburger, you can't go wrong with it. Pretty much anywhere you go, you can just get meat and cheese. I mean, you just gotta. You don't want to lose all that flavor with all the whack veggies and stuff, man. You just got <laughs> to pick up the meat and cheese. Okay, so cheese what's your favorite burger
3: then? Where do you like getting your burgers from?
4: Oh, man. Um,
3: talking uh, fast food. Uh, Whatever. Like Your favorite place to get a burger. Like It
4: doesn't matter where I'm at. I think five guys burgers are the best burgers. Five guys, that's pretty good. Um, I mean there's some local places around town that are pretty good, but I think um if I'm gonna pick up one from anywhere, Wendy's is pretty solid. It's yeah. a go to bacon cheeseburger. Can't go wrong with that. See now you're adding bacon on
3: there. Now we're now we're getting down a hill we don't want to yeah. go down. So I mean <laughs> but, like, meat and cheese can also be like tacos, subs. I mean it doesn't this depends on what kind of meat oh, yeah. like. So like yeah, for sub true. for me for me and cheese like I, I'm hitting up um Penn Station every day like I love Penn Station so oh, much. Penn
4: Station, I get a Philly cheese steak. I, yeah, I go for Philly cheese. You can't go wrong with no cheesesteak. steak.
3: No veggies, yeah. absolutely. And then and then yeah. tacos. I mean, I love tacos. Who go, who can go wrong with tacos?
4: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean Taco Bell's good, but it's terrible the day after, my man. <laughs>
3: yeah i I, I have to avoid taco bell now it's not done good things for my stomach the older i get so uh just keeps getting worse and worse every visit i go to but zach it was a pleasure having you on man we'll have to do it again soon thanks for being a part of our featured fan of the week and uh, where can pacer fans find you at on twitter
4: at zach a pearson
3: same for instagram as well right
4: yeah my app's the same on everything
3: all right man well thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you later
4: Yep. I appreciate
3: it. Alrighty, righty, Pacer fans. That does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. We want to thank Al Jefferson and Zach Pearson for coming on the show today. We want to let you guys know that we are officially on Spotify now, so if you're wanting to listen to our podcast on Spotify, it is available there at Setting the Pace on Spotify. If you're liking what you're hearing on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a rating and a review, and if you haven't already, check out PacersTalk.net where we have all of our latest content where you can check out new podcasts, old podcasts with former Pacer players, and just check out different articles that we've written throughout the offseason. And we know that that'll be picking back up once the season starts, possibly next week with that schedule coming out. So, alrighty, Pacer fans, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and we will talk to you all next week. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers.